0: the kids ministry circle podcast kids ministry circle is a community for kids ministry leaders to be encouraged and equipped to love and serve the local church listen to the end of this podcast to learn more about how you can be a part of kids ministry circle how you can find all of our resources and how you can sign up to be a part of one of our cohorts Hello, and welcome to the Kids Ministry Circle podcast. This is Lauren Jackson, and I am joined today by the most amazing co-host, Becca Harris. Keep changing the adjective every time. I love this. I love this. All right, so today's podcast, we are going to answer two to three of your questions about what safety looks like in kids' ministry.
1: Oh, yes, safety. Lauren, I think when you know you start talking about safety i think uh everybody might kind of uh if especially if you're new to the kids ministry world wonder what like we know we need to keep kids safe but like let's they they might feel like there might be some other things that are important before talking about safety um but we started with this first because honestly um you can have the best curriculum you can have the best leaders but if you don't have a safe environment you probably aren't going to be able to do kids ministry very long. Either parents won't trust you, or, um, God forbid, there be some kind of, you know, safety issue that kind of cancels out your ability to do ministry. And and then lastly, obviously, we are cared to shepherd and steward the the a pretty vulnerable flock, and yep. so safety has to be a number one priority. Um, and so I always coach people that. Yes, we want to have good curriculum. Yes, we want to have other things, but let's get safety right first um, so that you can build off of that.
0: Yep, that's right. That's why we're starting with it. All right, so our first question is, how often do you retrain or re-background check your volunteers? Now, the first thing that comes to mind is the first half of the question, which is retrain. How often do you train your volunteers? And I like to say two things about this. You train your volunteers every time you have them. Ooh,
1: (laughs) that's good. That's deep.
0: And so anytime you have a pre-service huddle, you're talking to volunteers who are serving in the classroom, you can always be casting vision, sharing pieces of why they're there, what makes serving important, training pieces about safety about the curriculum about discipling kids you can always be dropping little sentences about training every single Sunday and then the other piece is that other piece to the training is create a rhythm maybe that's once a year maybe that's twice a year maybe that's every quarter but just create a rhythm where you are working to get all your volunteers in a room have some fun Celebrate your ministry, but then also train them on policies and procedures, on the curriculum that you use, on practical ways to manage their classroom, and all those pieces of training. So those are my two things about training.
1: Yeah, I I would agree. You know, I think all of us have experienced some kind of training or learning that felt like we were drinking from a fire hydrant. And even if we maybe tested or quizzed that day, you know, we crammed for the test and we, we passed, but the likelihood of us retaining that information is, is not as high. Um, and so it's important, like you were saying, to train along the way. Um, and so I do think you're right. We need to have a training rhythm that is intentional about teaching um, and digging into specific topics. Um, And casting vision. Our volunteers need to be reminded of why they're doing what they're doing. Uh, But they also need kind of the hands-on – little tidbits that they can like practice that day, which is why I love the idea of that pre-service huddle um, or some kind of volunteer tip of the week. um, Something like that, that would help our volunteers take one nugget and put it into practice. And so, yeah, I think there's not just a one and done training. Um, There is much needed like all along the way. And even your most seasoned veteran kids ministry volunteers continue to need training in, in policies, procedure, and in practice. Um, and so I think thinking through those, uh, creative rhythms, because I think that's what it is. It can't be like you do a big kickoff in August and your volunteers are trained for the year. It must be, um, all along the way broken up into nuggets that pertain to what they're doing, um, and that they can put immediately into practice. So.
0: Yep. That's great. What about those background checks? How often do you background check your volunteers?
1: Well, we uh, currently do, uh, we background check every three years. Um, and we kind of got that from, I think, some of the camping background um, and some of the, the safety standards put in place there. Um, but I think um, if you want to do it more regularly – Welcome to it. I think sometimes budgeting and the process can make it a little tedious to do it more than that, but for sure no less than than every three years. Um, and even again, your most veteran people that have been around, maybe even longer than you, things change, things happen. You just always want to keep that level of excellence um, and safety. And so, yeah.
0: Yep, that's great. Some of my top uh, background check companies that I recommend are Protect My Ministry checker which is used through planning center uh, ministry safe and then shepherd's watch so there's more out there i know some people i've seen use their local police department as the people who background checks their volunteers Um, these are just some top ones um, that i have either used or heard about All right. That brings us to our second question, which is there are so many pieces to the onboarding process. How do I stay organized to make sure that all of my volunteers are approved?
1: Oh, man, that is like the puzzle, the question of the hour, right? So, um, you know, depending on the size of your church or what you have available, a lot of, you know, church softwares have a back end um, that allows you to kind of track, um, you know, like our church uses Church Community Builder, CCB. And we uh, use a process queue to kind of track where volunteers are in the onboarding process. Um, I know other softwares like Planning Center and things have stuff like that as well. Um, you, I, But honestly, even just a Google Sheet, a Google Doc that you keep up to date um, that allows you to see kind of Who's been background checked, where or when they were last background checked, when they last had all the different elements of their onboarding process done. Um, that that works too. Because I mean, we've talked a lot about background checks so far, but background checks should be the the most basic thing you're doing. Um, it's the lowest hanging fruit. And honestly, it's only gonna bring up something if if someone has been caught, right? Yeah. And so there there is so much more to um onboarding and screening volunteers than just background checks. And so having a process is helpful because you're, you know, at our church, we uh, there's an application they fill out. There is a volunteer interview where we've, we're asking questions. Uh, we've done a lot of training with Ministry Safe and organizations like that to kind of learn what to look for. Um, And so all our questions are kind of geared around um, kind of figuring out, you know, the person's story there's, you know, are they safe? Um, Are they are they healthy? Are they emotionally healthy? Um, And then there's references that we ask. We want to know, like, you know, what do other people think about this person working with children or in that environment? Um, And then there uh, we also have a covenant agreement where if they're going to volunteer with us. They've got to agree to certain things. And then we have, you know, policies training that they do and then an abuse prevention training. And so that is a lot to keep up with. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I do recommend having a system because if the system is your head or a piece of paper um, or any paper of any sort, that might be challenging. So whether that's looking into your church software or Google Sheet or Excel or whatever, um, some kind of system – be able to keep track of where people are in the process, and then how often they might need to repeat that process to keep them up to date, yeah, um, and safe in your system.
0: Yeah, as you were talking, some other things or resources that came to mind was using a system like Asana or Airtable. Mm-hmm. Those both can be really helpful when you are dragging uh, volunteers into certain boxes to move them on into the onboarding process. Now, if you are either a brand new church or brand new to your ministry role and you don't have these things set up, that's okay. It took the Austin Stone many, 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 many years to get this process set up and they're still tweaking it. And so if you are trying to figure out what's my next step, what is my next step outside of background checks? I would say, is an interview. Get face-to-face with that volunteer. Get to know them. Allow them to get to know you. And you'll tell a lot by their nonverbal behavior and asking them about their story, asking them when they made the decision to follow Jesus, if that's one of your requirements to serve in kids' ministry. Um, Just get to know them a little bit better. And like Becca said, make sure that they seem emotionally healthy Spiritually healthy and able to invest in the kids in your ministry.
1: Yeah, yeah, because you know we don't want someone back there that can that just is a warm body that breathes, right? They're they're again like they're teaching some of the most vulnerable in our flock, and so we want to make sure there's that emotional uh health there, but then also they they gotta be walking with Jesus. And so if you want them to teach the the Bible, uh they're only gonna be able to teach as much as they know and are digging in themselves. And so those are things you want to assess from that. And then I I think I would add the next easy step after a volunteer interview is the reference. Um everybody I mean we've all applied for jobs and we've had somebody call a reference on us and um how much more important for again with our vulnerable flock to to call some references. And so um, finding, you know, I recommend a personal reference, uh, previous supervisor, especially if they've worked with children or youth in the past. Um, and so getting, getting at least two to three references in there, uh, will also give you just another perspective on this person's, um, ability a, and, uh, to serve with kids.
0: So. Yep. Uh, the last, so the last part of my que- this question is, how do I stay organized to make sure all my volunteers are approved? So we talked we talked about the staying organized piece, but making sure and clarifying what volunteers are approved and which ones are not. One of my favorite ways to do this on a Sunday morning is get t-shirts. Oh yeah. You make them really fun. I would not recommend bright ri- bright red. <laughs> hey now. Hey now. Didn't have a choice there. Uh but you can make them fun and inviting, have your logo on them, and all your volunteers that are approved gets these cool shirts that they can wear in the classroom on Sunday. Not only does it show you which volunteers are improve, approved, but it shows your parents who who is approved and who has gone through all the steps to make sure that they are a secure person that their kids can Um, look up to and be safe with in the classroom another easy way if t-shirts aren't in your budget is get a different color lanyard get a different color name tag Mm -hmm. just do something to outwardly show your team and your parents and your families that you have gone the extra mile to make sure that in all of your abilities obviously things still happen and But you have done everything that you can to make sure that your ministry is as secure as it can be.
1: Yeah. And, and you, you know, as as you were saying that I was like, obviously the ideal would be every person that's back in your hallway on Sunday has been through um, a screening or approval process, but we know real life and we know we have subs in there. We have parents that jump in. And so having something to demonstrate who has truly been through the whole process versus who might be subbing in that morning is really helpful for everyone all around. Um, and it also helps you on a crazy morning from, you know, uh, you want to have an approved volunteer in every space, every room. And so it's easily, easily visual for you to see whether you're accomplishing that and easy to see for your other volunteers and your parents as well. So that, yeah, that's really important.
0: Yep. All right. Our last question for today about safety is about emergency situations. So the question is how can I plan for my ministry what to do in an emergency situation.
1: Yeah, man, we always, I think there's a part of us that always hopes that that won't happen here. That won't happen to us. Um, and I think that's good and right to hope and pray for that. But I think we all have seen the news and we know that that's not always true. And so um, it also sometimes, you know, I, I have our team work through emergency preparedness plans um, and it doesn't feel urgent. In the moment, there's always something, you know, finding a sub, working on a curriculum feels more urgent. But having an emergency preparedness plan is important because you never know when that emergency uh, might happen. And so um, things to think through in an emergency preparedness plan is, you know, if there was a fire or an, any kind of evacuation situation, what are your volunteers Need what do what do they need to safely get kids out of a space, um, and also to you know safely reunite them with their parents? What does that process look like for you? Um, I know for us there is I, that's why we started doing. Even though we use electronic check in, we started creating a, a roster on the wall that if we had to do an emergency evacuation, you would just grab the clipboard and be able to leave um, and be able to have an active live roster without trying to rely on something electronic, which, because you're, you know, if the Wi-Fi goes down with some kind of evacuation or fire, you're kind of stuck there. And so, um, and then um, we, you know, think through what, what else would they need to have with them to set up a good kind of checkout system. And so we have like a, a laminated sign um, that they would carry out so parents know where to find their class room uh, whenever you're set up in that kind of checkout situation. And so thinking through, there's lots of options based on your building. Some of you are mobile. Some of you are in an established building. And so there's a a thousand different things to think through and we don't have time to dive into them today, but just what, what would you do? and, And you have to take proactive time to think about this, to evacuate your kids and your volunteers safely. The other thing to think through is what would you do if there was some kind of lockdown situation? Um, You know, obviously we hope and pray that never happens, but if it does, you want people to know what to do, where to move, um, where to hide, um, those kinds of things. And we have received the best training from that, honestly, by consulting local law enforcement officers, asking them. And they're usually very happy to come in and help train uh, churches um, because they know that's a vulnerable, vulnerable area. So, and then depending on what part of the country you live in, you might need to think about tornadoes or earthquakes. Um, Uh, you know, or just anything like that. Like what, what would you do in that kind of situation? I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I'm old enough to remember doing drills in elementary school, um, for if there was a tornado or or whatnot. Um, I'm not saying you got to do drills with your kids, but your volunteers should at least know what, where they're evacuating or what they're doing in an emergency situation. So anything you would add to that, Lauren?
0: I think that's great. I think my, uh, what I would add is for that first step, for that first thing yeah. you could do is I was I would really focus on teaching your volunteers, mm-hmm. either creating a video or doing an in-person training with your volunteers on what they should do. Um, we've mentioned this a couple of times, but having the whole plan in your head doesn't always work yep. when you're faced with a situation where all of your volunteers need to be leading in some capacity. And so one thing that I did, uh, when I was on staff at a church here in Denver was we did, we made videos and we sent out the videos and that became a part of our onboarding training, but this was a way for us to tell all of our volunteers what our plans are for an emergency situation. We also every classroom had a had a red backpack, just like they do in elementary schools. The red backpack was filled with things that Becca already mentioned. So a sign, a roster. We we added snacks, so like lollipops and things that. One would help the kids stay quiet, but two would seem like something fun because those situations can be scary for kids. Um, I know it's always talked about is making sure your nursery classrooms are equipped for emergencies. And that's a big piece of making sure that you have – Pack and plays with wheels because they stick all the babies in the pack and plays and wheel them outside. Um, And just making sure that your volunteers know what to do, because if they don't know what to do, then you as one person is trying to direct all of these things while the situation is happening. And that's just not setting your ministry up for success. And so finding a way to not only create an emergency plan, but also making sure that you share that with your volunteers and with your other staff members, because if for some reason something happens and you're on vacation, someone else needs to know what the plan is. And so, working with your staff, working with local law enforcement, lo- working with local fire departments, um, they're oh, I feel like they're always willing to have these conversations with churches and spaces that are caring for kids, especially. So. Those are just my yeah. things about Yeah, I mean kind of
1: like we talked about earlier you always train, always take every opportunity to train. This could be something that, you know, periodically shows up in your rotation of training or talking about or, you know, I one of my favorite ways to train people is to have them walk through trial scenarios. So even if it's in your pre-huddle on a Sunday and you're like, "All right, if there was a fire over here," What would you do? And have them like workshop it and think through like, oh, yeah, what would I do right now if this were the case? Um, Some of that is the best way to put their, their knowledge into, into practice. Um, So yeah. And then, like you said, making sure your other staff outside of Children's Ministry are on board, because you also don't want to be competing for resources in those (laughs) times. You don't want to be like, no, we were going to hide out in this room. And turns out that's where the students were also going to hide out and there's not room for both of y'all or or whatnot. So, but yeah, having that plan, literally having it down in action and, and repeating it, having it down on paper and repeating it often to your volunteers. Um, It should be one of those that they, they know and they hear from you often.
0: Yes, that is so good. Becca, thanks for sharing all you have to know and learn about safety. Well, that is all we have time for today. And clearly there are so much more and so many more things to say about safety in kids ministry and so if you have more questions or didn't get your question answered please jump on over to kids slash podcast and ask your question there and we may be able to answer it on another podcast episode or over on our social media pages over on instagram and facebook and we love to keep this conversation going throughout this week. Well, we hope you have a great week. We are praying for your Sunday morning coming up and we hope to see you next time. Bye guys. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Before we go, I have a couple of announcements. First, our summer cohort signups are open. Our Kids Ministry Circle cohort is an opportunity for you to connect with other kids ministry leaders, share ideas, encourage one another, and be equipped to lead your ministry well. If you would like to sign up for our summer cohort, you can head over to kidsministrycircle.com to learn more and sign up. If you would like to submit a question for our podcast, you can head over to to kids slash podcast and submit a question that we can answer in a later episode. Don't forget if you would like to stay up to date on all the happenings of kids ministry circle, you can follow us at kids ministry circle on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so our latest episodes get dropped in your podcast player automatically. And our last thing, if you would like to get our monthly resource roundup email, you can sign up to be on our email list over at kidsministrycircle.com. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.